Um, I was just talking to Pete outside. Uh, I should have mentioned that I was a pastor before. I forgot to mention that. So I was a pastor for 18 years, and then worked with Baptist World Aid for four years, and now I'm with the association. So uh, I mentioned that because as I share a little bit of my story, hopefully you can locate it um, as, as, um, as I share some of the things today. It's always within a context, what I'm sharing. Uh, and, and that's why part of what, uh, what, what I want to be hearing from you is I know it'll come from your context. Uh, and, and hopefully together we'll be learn f- learning from each other. So when Rach asked me to share something today, let me just have a look at the time. She says 15, 20 minutes, so I'll stick to that. Um, she, she asked me to share something that I'm either I'm passionate about or, or, or something that's been recent. And so um, something that's within my role, of course, apart from the church witness side, is the intercultural side. So I thought oh, I might as well uh, talk to you guys about that, that matter, uh, matter of interculturality. Uh, and in particular, I think it's also because that uh, you might be wondering, is this really appropriate to our context? Where, well, Australia is actually growing more and more um, to becoming multicultural. Um, it'll, it'll, it might take time for it to come all the way here, uh, but it, it, it is growing. Um, and it is influencing and affecting everything that we do. Um, it might surprise you to know that the greatest areas of growth is, um, particularly in the churches, is in the culturally, linguistically diverse space. Now, we don't have the numbers in New South Wales. I'm still new to the role. I'm still trying to pull all the numbers together. But if we were to look at uh, a place like Victoria, who is sort of like us, south of the border, a um, uh, place like Victoria, the Baptists there, there's actually 65% are culturally and linguistically diverse. All right, so 65%. They've outnum- uh, they're starting to outnumber, and they're growing. That's not a fearful thing, I hope, for you. <laughs> I think that's a great thing. And what does that mean? What does it mean for us as a movement? Um, what does it mean for us as we imagine what the future could look like? So that's why I thought I'd address it. Um, and today, it's, we're just getting started. I'm not gonna, it's 15, 20 minutes. I hope I'm just going to uh, start a conversation or continue a conversation with you. So let me pray, and then I'll get into it by starting off with a, a story. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you, Lord, for who you are. Uh, And I thank you, Lord, that uh, we are all united in your spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, for your compassion. What a good God we have. And so we come together, Lord, in that spirit. We come together, Lord, in that posture. We come together knowing that we are so finite. Um... And limited. And so we posture ourselves, Lord, to learn from each other, to learn from you, and trusting that your spirit is already at work in this space, uh, in people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I was 10, 10 years old when I first came to Australia. 10 years old. I moved to Melbourne. That was, the, that was my first two years of my life. Oh, no, <laughs> two years of my life here in Australia. I was 10 years old. I came from the Philippines. I had, um, English was my third language. So I had already, um, was fluent in Tagalog, Bisaya, and English from what I saw on the TV. And then I moved to, to Australia. Now I'm going to share to you with you a story that is a little bit traumatic, but I promise you I've already worked through it, okay? 
Um, but it was uh, every time I think about this story, I always arrive mid-scene. It's a, uh, when I think about, when I access it in my memory banks, what I think about is me in the middle of a classroom. It's probably the first week or two weeks um, here in Australia. Uh, and I'm looking up at my teacher. Let's just call him Mr. G. That's what we call him. He, he had a longer last name. But Mr. G. And when I go to this memory, he's just towering over me. I'm in the middle of the classroom. Everyone's just looking. And he's just yelling at the top of his lungs. He's saying, do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? And I remember as a child, the feeling, the emotions, is just staring up with tears down my eyes, frozen, paralyzed. He yells louder. Maybe, he'll, maybe I'll get it this second time. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? And then I remember looking at him, like just frozen. I didn't know how to respond. Of course I understood what he was saying, but I didn't know how to respond at that moment. He looks for the closest, closest Asian person next to me and says, come here. Tells the person to say the same thing. I don't even know what it was about. Just tells him, go tell him. So my friend, I still remember his name. His name is Ryan. He was a friend of mine. Comes up to me sheepishly. He's just like, says it to me in English. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I understand what he's saying. I just don't know how to respond. And so that was my first week <laughs> or two in Australia. Now keep in mind, actually, when I was in Philippines, I was like top of my class, I was doing really well, and then I come to Australia, and I have this experience, and then I, I fail all my spelling exams, because all, all the English, uh, uh, <laughs> the spelling exams were, you know, the strong Australian accent. And if you can tell, it, in Philippines, it's a strong American accent. So I'm like, what's a car? All I could think of is car, you know, like C-A-R. Um, so I was, I was failing my exams. I was, and then I was like, man, is this my new life here in Australia? Someone, I was so secure, now I'm insecure. I was so confident, now I'm not confident. I felt like I had a lot of friends. Now even my teacher's yelling at me. All right, so I'm going to pause for a second. I'm going to ask you a question. Maybe turn to the person next to you. And if you can, just make sure this is a whiteboard marker. All right. Okay, so this is Mr. G, is my great drawing. And this is me, 10-year-old Mobs. I want, you to, I want you to have a discussion around what were the relational dynamics that were going on that made that okay? Like everyone was just watching. No, the, the, it's a shared classroom. The teacher next door didn't do anything. Um, now, I'm not saying Mr. G was like an evil guy. My wife's a teacher, so I know she's, I know, she's told me she's had bad days. Um, but what do you think was going on in terms of relational power dynamics that made that situation okay? Just to the person next to you.
sorry, just <laughs> this is the world's quickest discussion. 30 seconds left. And I, I actually want to hear from you. Oh, okay. Um, thoughts? What do you think was going on? Dynamics-wise. Feel free to yell out. There's authority. Yep. Yep. Oh, sorry. Do you mean by me or by, by the teacher? Fear. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I, I'm not entirely sure what it was about. From memory, it was a lack of, uh, it was a frustration. So there was a level of frustration on his part, trying to communicate something, and I wasn't responding. Well, I could understand what he was saying. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So what's what's that saying around, you know, when there's danger? It's either fight, flight, freeze. I chose freeze. So see how there's just like different kinds of, I'm familiar. <laughs> um, there's just different kinds of contexts and things going on. Now who has all the power? The teacher has all the power. Has the power of authority, has the power to stop it, has the power of him. Um, would my friend have any power, Brian, to do anything, you reckon? No. How about my friends who were all watching, like just around me, or not friends, just my classmates? Reckon they could have said something? How about the teacher next door, because it's a shared classroom, there's no wall? What would you, as teachers, what would you do? Would you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't stop a teacher in the middle of something, would you? 
Yeah. So the, this, this context, like, uh, obviously there's a lot of people who would have the experience of a teacher yelling at them, right? Like, so we would, as soon as I probably raised my voice, you probably all went to your place where it's like, oh, I remember that when the teacher yelled at me. Um, but for me, the, that experience of yelling is not just yelling. That experience of yelling was saying, you're different, you're, you're, you're an other, you're not going to be. Uh, so that was the start of that story. And then every racist remark that I received after that continued to perpetuate that story. I have been called all kinds, it might surprise you, but I have been called all kinds of racist things, including the N-word, and I'm not even black, right? But that's, that's, the, that's the context. A month ago, my, my, my daughter comes up to me and says, Dad, she was so perplexed at her school. She goes, Dad, my friend who's a pastor's kid, my friend said to me, what are you doing here in scripture? And then she was like, why? Aren't Protestants white? And it's just one of those like, ha, 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 huh? What? What were you taught? <laughs> this is in Bangstown. So there's just this uh, repeated things that happen within our, within our world and within our stories that continue. And if you are on that side of the immigrant story, then... Um, that kind of becomes part of your story, no matter what your story was before. I will get to scripture. I'm just trying to tease out the yuckiness of things so that you can see the beauty of scripture. You can see the beauty of the gospel. I'm going to just spend five minutes on this <laughs> little part. Um, but, the, but I just wanted, this is the, this is the educational component. All right, so is there a difference between race, ethnic, and culture? Um, th the reason why I say this is because sometimes we use it interchangeably when we say cultural, when we say race, when we say ethnic. But I just want to draw it out so that it highlights the nuances to it. This is like a whole lecture, by the way, so I, I'm just going to do it in five minutes. Um, so race, I did it like that because there is a, a vertical boundary between race. Uh, and the, I, I say that because if you know a uh, short story history of race, it probably first came up in 16th century. It was really highlighted in 18th century by, I think he was a German philosopher or an, an anthropologist, Blumenbach. Um, and he's the one who articulated the white, black, red, brown, yellow races. So it is from that Western perspective, it is that from that colonial perspective. Uh, and that white is not just Anglo-Celtic, Anglo-Saxon, but anyone that was in power from the European kind of context uh, or colonial context. <coughs> that was very much articulated in the 18th century. And if you remember the song, Jesus loves all the children of the world. How does it go? Great. <laughs> Yellow, black, red or white, yeah. Yeah, precious in his sight, yeah. Okay, so in Australia, that's, I won't go into this history, but there was a white Australia policy. That's part of our story. Um, part of whatever happens, there's always going to be fear-mongering. So this was back 100 years ago, and particularly trying to push out the Chinese migrants or the yellow migrants. And so they just started all doing all these kind of fear-mongering kind of campaigns. <coughs> 
And so if you want to understand race and racism, you need to understand that they see it as that, that vertical boundary. Um, the second one is ethnic. If you were to think of ethnic, think of uh, a circle as a boundary, and then those who are in the middle of that circle, those are the ethnic groups. So the, the boundary there is circular because it's about who is in and who is out. And usually that's language, but it's also the geo geographic, right? So this is us and there's you, there's you out, outside. Now I put culture that way because culture, in terms of Latin, the root word to culture is actually col is, is colore, which is an, an agricultural metaphor, right? To cultivate. So it is this idea that within an environment, you can be cultured into who you are, into your being. So obviously there's different factors to that, so that's what I wanna highlight, that in a culture, there are different factors going on. <clears throat> so I'll give you a quick example. Race can be, like I said, white, black, red, yellow, and a lot of our policies in the last 500 years have really revolved around that. Ethnic being, um, you know, I'm f actually not even Philippines because Philippines is broken up into different islands. But say in Myanmar, there's the Karen ethnic group, the, the Burmese ethnic group, the Chin ethnic group, and that's usually carved out around language and geography. And culture is, especially in Australia, you could be white, oh sorry, you could be um, brown uh, from Burma, Burmese, but also in culture setting, you could be um, low education, or you could be a woman, or you could, there's different layers. So the boundaries in race is vertical, the boundaries in ethnicity is circular, and the boundaries in culture is layered. Okay, so that's one two hour lecture in five minutes. Now, when we start to go, I'm gonna skip all this, when we start to get to, that's what it actually looks like. It's all mixed. So let's go to, we want to the score. Ephesians 2. All right, I'm going to read Ephesians 2. Then I'm going to get you to discuss it, and then I'll close off. Ephesians 2, verses 14, all the way to 22. This, they say, like a lot of people say, commentators say, that this is one of the critical, most critical theological pieces for what it means to be a church. And I think this is really important because the Ephesians church, but also what church became after that, that it went outside the Jews. It went to the Gentiles, to the different cultural backgrounds around the world. Um, so let me read it to you. That's why this has been really critical theologically. Ephesians 2, verses 14 to 20 to 22. For he himself is our peace, or our shalom, who has made the two groups one and has de destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached to you a peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were, ne who were near. 
For, though, for through him we have both access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundations of, a foundation of the apostles, the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Feel free to keep that open. For he himself, I'm going to read 14 to 16 again. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity. Any thoughts on that passage and how it speaks into what we're talking about? Yep. What's that? Yep. That's great. I'm doing it a different color. So citizens and home. That's great, man. Any other thoughts? Sure. Yep. That was repeated heaps of times. And for those of you who know that what that's ascribing to in terms of a Hebrew tradition is shalom, which is a picture of well-being, integration, wholeness, health. So what does it mean for us to be peacemakers? Any other final thoughts before I close off? Yeah, it does. And I think it specifically kind of, you know, it, it's not just about like it, it is like such a comfortable place, but also that I can be a part of that. So if you go all the way to 22, it talks about it that in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So together, no matter our race or culture or ethnicity, together we become a home for others. And how, how are others experiencing us as home? I mean, how would you like your home to be? And how are we experiencing others to be a home? Um, I, yeah, I don't have time to go into this. But the, the idea is kind of rewritten, is that the key thing is he himself is our peace. That's the foundational thing, who made both one. 
destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility or dividing wall that creates hatred to, um, and abolish the law to create one new humanity to reconcile both to God. <coughs> so any racism, um, any ethnocentrism, which is the ethnic one, any xenophobic, the fear of the other, any of those things is encountered by the gospel. Those things are dividing walls of hostility. Not just between white or black, but even within cultural backgrounds, they would have their own dividing walls of hostility as well. And Jesus is saying, I have died for that. I have destroyed it. And I have made peace. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and that's why I mentioned at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Why is it? I'm not saying. So there's two things I was saying. That one is that there would be a similarity to how we would all experience that. Like if a teacher has yelled at you. So I said that. That's the first one. The second thing is what I was saying was as part of my story, that was what was connected to my migrant experience. Because then a lot of things happened after that that continued to perpetuate that story that I was different, that I didn't understand, that I was an other. Well, it depends. If you're being bullied from the perspective of your race, of your background, or if you sound funny, or your food you're eating. Yeah, so those are the reasons what I'm talking about. Anyway, sorry. We can have a conversation afterwards if you want. Okay, well, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, think, I think part of your question has a whole lot of story that I can't address today, um, so I'm happy to discuss that with you if you want, um, but what, I'm talk what I am talking about today is this, and I, I agree with you in a sense that a lot of hatred and hostility and things that break people apart due to a whole bunch of things, but especially in this passage, it's talking between Jew and Gentile, it was an ethnic issue religious issue that divides people and now this the, the the new church is being planted out of that and growing out of that and so part of it is is that the gospel actually addresses that and it says jesus dies for that that hatred sorry do, do i sound resentful okay well that, i mean i'm again i'm happy to talk about it with you um, the, the, these are a whole range of things that I have been studying and living my whole life. So I'm, I'm happy to chat with you about it if you want. But I hope what, I, what you're hearing is the power of the gospel in all of that. Yep.
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that, and that is what that point is. It is that no, no matter what it is, um, and that's why the title of today's sermon is New Humanity, is that what Jesus does is he establishes a new humanity. And every time there is this breaking apart or there's this dividing wall of hostility, he'll remind us, that, hey, by the way, that's, that's, not what, that's not what you're defined as. You're defined as by me. And in me, you will have peace. So, yeah, totally. Do you want me to pray or? Yeah, yeah, let's pray. Father, we're grateful, Lord, for who you are again. Grateful, Lord, that you are a father over all things, over all history, over all peoples. Thank you, Lord, that you are actually already sovereign over our world. That your victory has already been set. Help us, Lord, to be a people who live into that victory. Live into that peace, that shalom that you have given us, that you have gifted us with. We're so grateful, Father, for, for the things that you have given us. And I pray, Lord God, that as, as we continue to wrestle with this, as we continue to understand and know that there's a growing um, communities uh, around us here in Australia and in, even here, Lord, I pray that you'll continue to help us, Lord, to imagine what it looks like to be peacemakers um, and also, Lord, what it looks like to, to, to be that home for people, that they can find refuge in your love, in your grace, and in your mercy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, thank you very much, Marbs. I greatly appreciate that, and I hope you guys got a lot out of it. Um, I have appreciated your friendship and your... Um, the way that you just gently bring up topics that can be really difficult sometimes. And uh, I particularly want to thank you for sharing your story. I know that it's not easy to share a really vulnerable story to a room full of strangers. So thank you very much for that. Um, I hope you got a lot out of that. And I hope that uh, you're able to continue thinking through some of these things over the next week or few weeks or few months. Um, I'd encourage you to maybe give it a couple of days and then read through that passage again um, just to kind of see what else comes out of that for you and yeah thank you for joining us uh, next week we are at the Gospel Chapel so we have a combined young adult service it's, it says young adults but you're all invited um, even if you would not class yourself as a young adult, and I will not be classing anyone as any specific age groups. So please uh, come along to that. Uh, we have a guest speaker. His name escapes me, but he's an army chaplain, and I think that's going to be a really good one as well. Um, I hope that you enjoy your week, and thank you for joining us. <laughs>